Welcome to Design 30. My name is Jason Bilyeu, and in this podcast, I provide design strategies and tools to improve creativity, innovation, and overall design confidence. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, I'm sure you are aware that the Tesla Cybertruck is officially released. They had their delivery event on Thursday last week. Uh, And so, of course, this being a design podcast, I have to talk about the design of the Cybertruck, right? That's what everybody's talking about, this very unique, never-before-seen, some people think uh, very weird design. So I'm going to give my thoughts on that. Uh, talk a little bit about the specs for the Cybertruck, and then go into some of the pretty innovative aspects of how they designed it. And then also, I want to just talk a little bit about the design philosophy behind the Cybertruck and kind of what uh, Tesla is doing in general, uh, but more specifically what they're doing with this Cybertruck design which, um, yeah, I think is pretty interesting. But before we get into that, as always, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You can find it anywhere podcasts are uh, not sold. It is free, but anywhere podcasts are delivered, hosted, posted. Um, But one thing, if you do want to help support the podcast, Uh, I would ask you, please go give the podcast a five-star review. Uh, You can do this in both the Spotify app and in the Apple Podcasts app. You can probably do it in just about any podcast app. Um, I don't use any other ones besides those two, so I'm not 100% sure how that works. But whatever podcatcher you use, whatever app you use, Uh, I would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and also write a review if that's an option as well. But I know how many ratings I've got so far, and I also know how many people listen each week. So I know there's a few of you who have not rated the podcast yet. So that's a great way to help support um, the podcast and help uh, use the algorithms to uh, promote the podcast in those different apps. So I'd really appreciate that. Also, I want to just say that there will be another uh, article coming out this week. I will be posting it on both Medium and on Substack, and it is going to be five design lessons from the Art of War by Sun Tzu. Uh, So I'm really excited about that one. I had a lot of fun writing it. Uh, Of course, if you're subscribed to the Substack already, you're going to get the automatically into your inbox. uh, And if you aren't, you can also go find it on Medium. So those are the announcements for this week. Now let's dive into the Cybertruck. So first of all, I want to go through just some of the high level specs for the Cybertruck just to give you an idea. Perhaps if you haven't done your uh, research yet, if you didn't watch the delivery event, I'll just give you an idea of what this truck has to offer. And to start, they're going to have essentially three different versions of the truck, two of which are available right now, or at least uh, you're not going to be able to buy them, get them right now, but you can place an order for them and then get them once the deliveries have finally caught up because there's a ton of people who pre-ordered this vehicle. I want 
I think it was somewhere around 2 million people pre-ordered it. So there's a bit of a backlog, but uh, there's two versions that you can order now. The first one is called the Cyber Beast. Uh, and this one is, uh, you know, it, it basically has all the bells and whistles. Uh, has a high top speed, 130 miles per hour. The acceleration is absolutely absurd, 2.6 seconds uh, from zero to 60. And, but it does have a little bit less range uh, on this make or on this model or on this trim package. Uh, the other one is just an all wheel drive version of the Cybertruck. And this is probably gonna be uh, your most common, uh, most useful Cybertruck that they're releasing. That's as far as I can tell, that's what it is. And then there's also in the future in 2025, they're gonna be coming out with a rear wheel drive version that will be a little bit less expensive. But again, it's rear wheel drive. So depending on where you live, that's probably not uh, the Cybertruck for you. I don't know. Uh, if you're living in maybe somewhere warm, Texas, California, Florida, maybe that's something you can get away with. For me, living in Montana, uh, anywhere where you're going to get a lot of snow and bad weather, uh, I, I very, very strongly <laughs> suggest not getting a rear wheel vehicle, especially a truck. It kind of defeats the purpose in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Uh, that thing is, it's probably, maybe the Cybertruck would be a little different, but probably not. It's probably going to be a disaster uh, when, as far as driving in the snow and ice, things like that. So I'm going to focus on the all-wheel drive version of this. This is the truck that if I uh, had the funds available to me that I would purchase, uh, I think it's it's kind of, you know, it's it looks very different and unique as far as the design, but in a way it's also kind of your everyday, every man's truck. So let's go through some of the specs on that. So the range, a lot of people are concerned about range when it comes to EVs, especially these large trucks that are very heavy. The range is pretty impressive on the Cybertruck. They're saying 340 miles standard. That's just their standard battery pack, single charge. You can get 340 miles out of this thing. And that's, that's very similar actually to what I'm driving right now is a Honda Ridgeline. Uh, I don't even know. I'd have to have a very good, uh, probably wind at my back going downhill to be able to get 340 miles out of one tank of gas. On average, I'm closer to 300 to 320, again, depending on the weather and depending on where I'm driving. So 340 mile range is pretty dang good. Plus, they have a range extender that you can actually outfit in the back of the truck, uh, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit more detail later, but in the back of the truck, there are some outlets where you can plug in and you can plug in, I believe this range extender just plugs in there. And so this actually bumps you up all the way to 470 miles uh, on a single charge when you have that range extender. So that's pretty incredible for a truck of this size. Again, this truck is, it is heavy. It's not the heaviest out there. Uh, I believe the Hummer EV is significantly heavier and they've done some things to reduce the weight on this vehicle, but it still weighs 6,603 pounds. So this, this thing is not light by any means. And so the fact that you can still get 340 miles standard out of this vehicle is pretty, pretty absurd. It's pretty impressive. That really goes to show what kind of engineering 
and what kind of standards Tesla has held themselves to with this vehicle. Uh, again, this one being the kind of mid-tier trim level uh, package for the Cybertruck, it still has an acceleration of 4.1 seconds, zero to 60. And that's, I mean, I have no idea what my Honda Ridgeline does, zero to 60. I, I think it would make me probably sad to find out, but I know for a fact it's not 4.1 seconds. That's, it, it's pretty, pretty absurd. Again, this thing weighs 6,600 pounds and it's accelerating from zero to 60 in 4.1 seconds. I mean, yeah, it's incredible. It's one of those things that, that you, you don't, you don't have to do it. You don't necessarily need to do it right on this vehicle, on this truck, but Tesla just loves to push the envelope, right? With things like this, like, no, it's going to be best in class. And I don't, the 4.1 isn't best in class, but the 2.6 zero to 60 on the cyber beast version, that's definitely best in class for a truck of this size. Uh, and the cyber beast, it does weigh a little bit more even than just their standard all wheel drive version. It's 6,843 pounds. So, you know, 200 pounds more, not a whole lot, but it's a heavy vehicle accelerating that fast. And I'd highly encourage people to, to go watch some of the reviews on YouTube. This is what I've been doing basically all last week and all weekend, just watching different people drive the vehicle, give their opinions on it, go through all of the cool innovations and the design and, and just, yeah, really, there's some really, really good uh, reviews out there on YouTube. I'm actually going to link a few of them in the show notes of this podcast, just just because I think they're really useful. They're really helpful for people to uh, to go see these in-depth uh, design reviews, essentially, of the Cybertruck. It's really, much, it's really worth your time, and uh, also it's just a lot of fun. And so the all-wheel drive version has a top speed of 112 miles per hour. So, I mean, that's not insane, right? But for anything that your normal average driver is gonna be doing, it's more than enough speed right there. And it has a towing capacity of 11,000 pounds. So I'm not somebody who tows a lot. Uh, I don't know, uh, I'm definitely not someone who's experienced with towing, I guess. So uh, I can't compare this to a lot of other vehicles, but 11,000 pounds, again, that's, that's a lot of weight. And I'm comparing it to my Honda Ridgeline, which some people I know will argue is not a truck. I will argue that it is a truck because it has a bed. And so <laughs> I, there's, I know there's more to it and your purists will definitely not like that statement that a Honda Ridgeline is a truck, but it's a truck, okay? So my truck does not tow 11,000 pounds. And just having that capability available uh, with something like the Cybertruck is is pretty incredible. And again, just adds to the utility of what this thing does. It's not just a statement. It's not just uh, for show. It, it's a real tr usable truck that has a lot of value um, for people who are doing actual work with it, who need to do truck things with it, right? Um, a few other cool aspects of it. The ground clearance is pretty impressive. Uh, 17.44 inches. Uh, when you, this thing, it can actually raise and lower itself depending on what you're doing. If you're trying to go fast and get good or better gas mileage on the highway, it can go down to a certain height. If you're going into off-road mode, you can raise it up so you get this ground clearance. 
And something you'll hear people talk a lot about, the reason why it has so much ground clearance is there's no rear differential. Whereas most trucks are gonna have a rear differential in the back uh, between your, your rear tires, right? And this hangs down and it really takes away from your overall ground clearance. But with the design of the Cybertruck and the way their whole drivetrain is made, you don't have this rear differential, so you don't have to worry about that. So you're, it's a true clearance of 17.44 inches. So that's also very impressive for off-roading. If you're somebody who's into off-roading and wants to take the truck out there, I would have a hard time taking a brand new Cybertruck off-roading, but there for a lot of reasons, which... Uh, I'm about to get into, it's actually probably not going to really damage anything, no matter what you hit. But before we get into some of those other innovations with the Cybertruck, one final thing that I know a lot of people worry about with, especially with EVs, is charging time. I mean, you can go to the gas station and fill up your truck in probably five minutes or less, right? And the thought of this massive battery, you have to charge. Am I gonna to have to hang out somewhere for like an hour or more? Uh, no, the answer to that is no with the Cybertruck. You can charge this in, I think it's from about 15% of battery power all the way up to about 85%. And you're looking at roughly what I've been told so far is 20 to 25 minutes. And if you want to just get a quick charge, you can get up to 136 miles in just 15 minutes of having this thing plugged in. So one of the things that a lot of people don't realize with EVs is the charging speed, it's not the same throughout the whole uh, charge of the battery. For the first part, for the, especially the first 80% of charging the battery, it's going to go pretty fast. But then as you start getting to that last 20 to 15%, it slows down quite a bit. Uh, and the analogy that I've heard uh, to describe why that happens, uh, which Elon Musk actually said on one one of the podcasts I listened to, I don't know if it was Lex Friedman or Joe Rogan, uh, but he described it as a parking lot. If you have this really big parking lot, uh, which in this analogy is the battery, and then you start filling it up with cars, which in this analogy would be the electricity to charge it. Uh, at first, it's going to be really easy for all the cars to find a parking spot. It's going to go really fast for probably the first 80 to 85%. But then after that, you're going to have to start searching, right? You're going to have to go around the lot a few times looking for open spots. And so the last little bit just takes quite a bit longer. Um, so a lot of time when you see specs on something, how long it takes to charge, they are talking about charging up to 100%. But often if you are in a rush, you need to go fast, you actually don't need to get all the way up to 100%. You can spend 15, 20 minutes, get the thing mostly charged, uh, and then you're back on the road. So that's really not too different uh, from filling up a vehicle with gasoline. Obviously, it, it is a little bit longer, uh, but you know, maybe on your road trip, you need to slow down a little bit, smell the roses, go use the bathroom, uh, buy a Powerade and a candy bar on your road trip. I don't know, but there's there's things you can do in those 15 to 20 minutes. Better yet, uh, you know, do some push-ups, get a quick workout in. I don't know, stretch your legs. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do that are productive uh, to fill that time. And in reality, when you measure how long one of your average stops takes, I'm sure, especially if you have kids and you're going into a gas station, uh, let's be honest, are you really getting in and out in less than 15 minutes? Uh, probably not. 
that's enough on the specs and just some of those things you can pull right off the website for the Cybertruck. Let's go into some of what's actually innovative about this truck. So one of the things that I learned while I was going through uh, some of my deep dive YouTube design review binging was this truck uses about 70% less wire than most vehicles. And they pulled this off with a, a few different techniques. Uh, it sounds like they've went to using ethernet comms, so ethernet communication throughout the vehicle. Uh, and they've also gone to distributed controllers. So here's that's one way how they've reduced the amount of wires in the vehicle, which, you know, if you've ever looked in under the hood of a lot of cars, there is, it makes sense, but there's a lot of wiring going on and there's, and, and what that tells me as a designer and someone who's uh, designed assemblies and, and things like that, there's a lot of potential for things to go wrong, right? There's a lot of potential for uh, bad connections. There's a lot of potential for things to come disconnected. There's just, there's issues with that. There's a lot more assembly time. There's a lot more plugging and unplugging. Every time you work on that truck and you're plugging and unplugging communication lines or wiring, you have a higher chance of breaking something, a higher chance of forgetting to plug something back in, right? So this is actually something that you might not realize the benefits of as an everyday driver of this vehicle, um, but that's from a manufacturability assembly, and I would say even maintenance standpoint, I think that's a huge win. And then also on these trucks for uh, the low voltage side of the electrical architecture, they've gone to 48 volts uh, instead of 12 volts. And this is something that the car industry hasn't done uh, they've never done. Right. So, and again, this is not something that, uh, I'm not an expert on the history of cars. I'm, I'm really not even, uh, a big car or truck person, which being a mechanical engineer, a lot of times people think, Oh, you must be, you know, you must be good at cars. You want to help me work on my car or my truck or help me fix this thing. And, and I'm not really like I've, I've done some work on my truck. There's different things I can do. I can replace headlights and taillights pretty easily. Um, but I'm really not a big truck person, uh, as a, you know, a contrary to the uh, common belief of what mechanical engineers are into. I think, I mean, I'm still very interested in it and I could potentially one day find myself doing a little bit more deep dive into cars. Maybe if I had a little bit more time and expose expendable cash on hand, you know, it'd be fun to restore an old truck or something like that. Um, but at this point, that's not me, but with things like this, with the cyber truck coming out with other cool, just technology, different vehicles coming out, it's, it is always fun to dive in a little bit to the details of what's going on under the hood. And so getting back to this 48 volt architecture, this is something the car industry, they've never They've never done before, right? I think it's been used in small cases here and there by different car manufacturers, but our standard car is runs off 12 volts. It's a 12 volt battery that we've all replaced, a 12 volt battery that we've all used to jumpstart another car. They've gone to 48 volts. And so what's one of the big reasons for this? Well, without going into too much detail here, 
essentially what you're looking at, there's, there's this equation when it comes to the electrical design of the vehicle, and that's your power equals your current times your voltage. So if you maintain the same power and you increase your voltage, you can actually use a lot less current. And so the benefit of this, if you have less current and there's less need for current in the vehicle, you actually can have smaller uh, in diameter wires. You need less copper. At the end of the day, what this allows them to do is use less copper. So you need less copper wires in the vehicle. And so 48 volts, that's uh, four times the voltage of what a previous 12 volt vehicle would use. So if your voltage goes up by 4x, then you can actually cut the amount of copper you need by approximately 4x because you've reduced uh, the current needs of that vehicle. So this, uh, for one, it's it's less expensive, right? So this is one of the ways that the Cybertruck uh, has actually uh, been able to maintain a decent price. And we'll get into pricing. I'll probably you know, bring that up here at the end of this section, but they've been able to maintain not great prices uh, as far as your average person isn't just going to be able to afford one of these, uh, right? It's it's not a fifteen or $20,000 vehicle, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but it's one of the ways that they've been able to cut costs out of the vehicle and probably some extra weight that uh, also wasn't needed. So a pretty cool innovation, something that they're pushing the car market forward, right? This is one example of how they're, they're, there's these car manufacturers that are so resistance to change, right? They're, they've been successful. They've got processes. They've already got their manufacturing plants. Uh, they've got their ways that you design systems, ways that you design these cars. And it's really hard to get them to change and innovate. And that's one of the things I love about Tesla's. They're just, they're pushing the envelope on this. They're, all right, well, you guys, you're never going to get to a 48 volt architecture, even though there's all of these potential benefits, we're just going to do it. And so they did it and they actually ended up writing uh, some a paper, almost like a letter about how to design a 48 volt architecture in a vehicle. And they sent it out to all the other car manufacturers, which if you know uh, more about Tesla, this is something they like to open source a lot of what they do. Their motor design, they opened up the patent so other people can do it as well. They're not trying to to hide. I think this is an example of they really believe that EVs uh, are the future. They believe that they're eventually going to be the efficient um, and environmentally friendly way to go. I know there's there's definitely some uh, pushback against that with the current design of batteries and where electricity is currently sourced from, uh, but they believe that in the future, this is going to be something that's very important. And so I love that they're actually living that out, right? They're they're putting this out there for other people to also uh, improve their vehicles, improve their EVs, and they're not holding that close to the vest uh, just to try to dominate uh, a certain segment of the market. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, one other thing, well, one other, th I got a few more things here actually, but one thing that really is gonna be the first thing most people See, it's what sticks out on the Cybertruck, right? It's the stainless steel body, the stainless steel exoskeleton of the Cybertruck, which just gives it that incredibly futuristic, uh, just kind of eye-catching look, right? And it's it, to do this was by no means simple. 
designing body panels that have those bends that have uh, these long flat uh, surfaces. There's really, there's very few curves and there are a few, but there's very few curves on the Cybertruck as a whole. It's more these flat surfaces. And so to pull this off with uh, this ultra strong stainless steel, they actually, or what they wanted to be ultra strong stainless steel, they had to design their own uh, alloy, which is pretty mind boggling to me. Like the US, they literally had to invent their own type of stainless steel just to be able to pull this off which is really impressive. And that's because they wanted something that was really strong and they wanted something that was uh, not going to rust because even your average stainless steels, you're still gonna have some rust that occurs on those over time. And, and they couldn't have that with their design. And so to, to pull that off, they, there just wasn't another stainless steel already in production that they could use. So what do they do? They, they just invent their own. Again, this is one of those things that's, I don't know, it's, it's really impressive. And to me, actually really motivating of just, they run into these roadblocks and they, they figure out ways to solve it and they figure it out. They invented their own alloy and then they moved on. Right. And so their in-house, uh, nickname for this ultra strong, ultra hard stainless steel is HFS which start or which stands for hard freaking steel. And you can assume that they probably aren't using freaking. <laughs> That's uh, the, the PG version of this. Uh, so it's, it's really hard steel. But then you look at the body a little bit closer and you realize, boy, they're bending this to some pretty sharp angles. And if, if you've worked with sheet metal, uh, if you've worked with bending, especially these harder metals, you know that that's not a trivial thing. That can be really difficult. What normally happens, right? If you've worked it, it, it tears. You actually, your metal will, you get these little tears along those bends. And so if that were the external body of your vehicle, it would look really bad if that happened. So to prevent that from happening, they, again, they had to design this alloy with just enough ductility to where it wasn't going to tear. And then it's also so strong. It's so hard to bend. They had to design their own method of bending these to even get them bent to the correct shape. So again, they, it's just an example of all these different things, all of these different, uh, roadblocks they ran into that so many other companies would stop at the, you know, I'm sure it was stressful, but they looked at it as opportunities to improve. And so they, for this, they just invented their own new method of bending this ultra strong, ultra hard stainless steel. So really impressive, so much innovation just in the body of these vehicles. And, and it's not, so the body isn't the frame of the vehicle, which is something that was talked about early on, but it is an exoskeleton and it does provide a lot of of stiffness. A torsional stiffness is something that is big in the truck world. Again, like I said, I'm not a huge uh, truck person, but having this torsional stiffness is something that is big, I think not only in the truck world, but also in the sports car world. And putting this ultra hard, ultra strong stainless steel exoskeleton on the truck body, it provides a lot of torsional stiffness. And so this is, it's 
almost, I think it's almost or as stiff as most sports cars, which supposedly in the truck world is pretty crazy. And it's significantly stiffer than something like the equivalent uh, Ford F-150 EV. So this body, it's not there just for show, right? It actually has some functional uh, purposes for being there. And along those lines, one of the other things that some of the, the designers at Tesla talked about was for, you know, uh, let's say, let's just go with the Ford F-150, for example. These are trucks that you're supposed to be doing, you know, your everyday work, taking them out in the mountains, also taking them to the construction site, all these things. But the most fragile part of the truck is the body panels, right? Uh, who's got a door ding on one of their panels just because someone accidentally opened a door a little too fast and bumped into their vehicle. Uh, You get scratches, you're driving through the trees and the mountains and a stick is sticking out and it puts a nice long uh, scratch down the edge of your truck, right? Those, all these things that could potentially damage your vehicle because your body, the body of the vehicle is one of, uh, it's one of the weaker things on the vehicle, unfortunately. So what the designers of the Cybertruck thought was, well, let's not do that. Let's make this thing where this external, this exoskeleton is actually strong. It's actually one of the strongest parts of the vehicle. And so that was another reason for this stainless steel body that is ultra strong. And you, I mean, good luck denting this thing. If you watch a lot of the videos, people are smacking it with sledgehammers and all sorts of stuff. And you can even shoot it, which (laughs) will dent it, but the bullets, at least from handguns or a lot of uh, different types of rounds, they're not going to even penetrate. They will, they will dent it, but they're not going to penetrate this metal. So it's, it's really strong, really functionally strong. And if you get a scratch, uh, they said you can probably just buff it out yourself with some scotch bright or something like that. So I love the idea of making this truck with a, you know, this exoskeleton that that's actually going to be able to take most of the wear and tear that, that normal average people are going to give to it right? That's door dings. That's, uh, rubbing up a little too close to a tree branch, something like that. Uh, maybe you cut a corner a little too close and you scrape, uh, I don't know, uh, something in your garage, things like that. You're not going to damage this vehicle. And worst case scenario, you can probably just buff out whatever little scratch you left if you did. So that's uh, so much innovation just around, the body and the panels that they've made. And this is, you know, not even mentioning the look of it, which of course is, is very different, but the, the utility of what they did with that is it's pretty impressive. And again, very innovative. And then there's just a few other smaller things on the design side that, uh, I thought were pretty innovative. They got rid of the handles, which, I guess a lot of concept cars will show a vehicle with no handles, but then once it goes to production, there's always handles. In this one, they actually were able to avoid that even with the production version of the vehicle. And what this does is is it improves the aerodynamics of the vehicle. Having those handles on there actually makes that worse. Um, And then there's also less parts, a little bit less cost uh, for the vehicles, like or cost they could take out. And overall just adds to the look of the vehicle as a whole, I would say. Uh, one thing, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this was, okay, what's going to happen when you're living in cold Montana and that 
door is iced over. How are you going to get that open? And they actually brought this up and they addressed it and said, well, there's a, there's a button that you have to press to get the door to pop open. And as long as you can hit that button, this door has the strength and the power to break through up to an inch of ice on it. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, they, they thought through this. They're thinking through a lot of the different climates where this vehicle is going to be used. So I'm in, I think it's actually a pretty cool feature. And finally, they've included uh, some different outlets on the vehicle and just standard outlets, right? They have standard 120 volt and a standard 240 volt outlets. So I think that's awesome. I mean, you have this EV, you basically got this big battery driving around. Why not actually be able to just plug into it with a normal outlet and do some useful things with it? So I love that they thought through that as well. And they've included that there's plugins I know inside the cab. Uh, there's also a, uh, the two 120s and then one 240 volt outlet uh, in the bed, not the bed, but in the back of the truck uh, off to the side. So right there, that's just a very user-friendly, helpful design aspect of the Cybertruck. And another way to show that they very much have the user in mind in making this a very uh, utilitarian, useful truck. Okay, now let's get into just some of the design philosophy that I think this truck conveys and some of the things that I find really interesting, really exciting about it. Um, for one, or I wanna start with this, it's, uh, it's performance plus minimalism is kind of one of the ways I would describe this truck. And one performance, because again, looking at those specs that I uh, talked about at the beginning of this episode, and this thing, it's top tier, right? In it for its size, for its class, this thing is a top tier performing truck. It's very impressive. But then it's also minimalist in a lot of ways. You look inside the cab and there's, there's, very, there's not a lot going on. There's a single screen where you actually control everything. There's no uh, cluster uh, or dash in the in front of the steering wheel that's going to distract you or catch your eye. Uh, you have to get used to looking at the single screen that's kind of in the middle or the center console area. Um, and then there's just there's not a whole lot else going on inside the cab that doesn't need to be there. And then again on this minimalism front, like I said earlier, there's no door handles, right? Um, there's only one windshield wiper. It's a big windshield wiper for sure. I think it's over four feet long, but there's only one windshield wiper. So I think it's this pretty cool and interesting blend of this top tier performing vehicle, but then also kind of this minimalistic design, not adding a lot of these uh, different features and, and bells and whistles that don't really need to be there. And so from a design perspective, that's something that I really like. I think it's actually really hard. Again, minimal or simple is really, really hard to design and design well. And it takes a lot of time. I mean, there's a reason why the first concept of this vehicle came out, was it four years ago? And then just now they're actually shipping these vehicles. Uh, there's a lot, aside from all the technological innovations that they had to come up just to make this thing uh, possible uh, just from a design perspective this min minimalistic simple but also high performance design is it's really hard to pull off so with this you kind of you get this utility of a truck but you also get the performance 
of a sports car. So again, there's these different uh, concepts that are almost contradictory, right? Uh, it's almost a uh, almost a paradox in some ways. You performance and minimalism, right? And then you have utility of a truck and the performance of a sports car. These two things that you don't necessarily need to pair together, right? Someone who really needs a truck doesn't necessarily need a sports car. But what they're doing is like, well, why not? Why not have this awesome truck you can do a lot of work with? But then also, you know, on the weekend, you put it in performance mode and you've got essentially a sports car. Like, why not provide that to our customers? Why not give that a shot? Uh, There's just like a a certain ethos, I would say, behind that, that to me is really exciting. Something if, you know, I was an engineer or a designer at Tesla, I think would be a really, a really cool way, really motivating, really exciting part of working at a company like that. And then one of their other, uh, or one of the other design philosophies from this is just a willingness to push the envelope, right? They're pushing the industry forward. As I mentioned earlier, the going to a 48 volt, low voltage architecture, um, getting re getting rid of the handles on the doors, going to a higher strength body panel that's actually serving a function, right? It's not there simply as an ornament. It's not there only for looks. It actually has some functional, there's some very functional uh, aspects to it. And I know uh, your normal body panels are going to functionally, what they're going to do is give you improved aerodynamics. Uh, but, But you look at truck bodies for the last 70 years and they've changed slightly, but the basic design of a truck hasn't really changed that much. And so what Tesla's doing with the Cybertruck is like, okay, well, we're going to completely change this. We're going to make something that nobody has really ever seen before. And as Elon Musk says, or he quotes his child as saying is, uh, well, I guess the story is his child asked him once, like, why doesn't the future look like the future? And so what Elon Musk want to do with his vehicle is he want to make the future look like the future. And I think he pulled it off. This thing, it's, it's very futuristic looking. Uh, I don't know if I had an image in my head of what futuristic trucks would look like, but I think if you would have asked me to draw one 10 years ago, it probably would have had some similarities to the Cybertruck, right? It just, it does just feel like the future. And they're pushing in a lot of ways, more so than just the look, uh, they're pushing the industry forward into the future. So overall, there's just kind of this why not attitude about uh, about the truck, about the design. Uh, in the delivery event, Elon Musk said, he's like, well, you know, people ask why, why did you make it bulletproof? Why do people need a bulletproof truck? And he's just like, huh? well, why not? Why not have a bulletproof truck? And I, I just kind of love that from a designer's perspective, from an engineering perspective of, you know, you still have to make this manufacturable cost-effective vehicle, but you're allowed to, to innovate. You're allowed to, to uh, almost have these outlandish, but also really cool aspects of the design, which is kind of every engineer's dream, right? Like it almost kind of lets your imagination go wild with, you know, within bounds, right? You can't, uh, you can't get too crazy and create a vehicle that costs millions of dollars and assume you're going to sell a lot of those, but it's this, you know, this why not attitude of just, you know, if that's, 
if there's any way that's possible, let's go for it. Let's give it a shot. Let's try to do something that's never been done before. Let's let's add some aspect to this vehicle that you're not going to find from any other company in the world, right? Unless you're specifically buying, in this case, a bulletproof vehicle and you're uh, maybe a president or a, a CEO of a massive company. Um, but yeah, so just this why not attitude, I think uh, it, it's pretty pretty inspiring and, and pretty cool to see how they are able to pull off what they were able to pull off with this vehicle. And uh, the cost of this vehicle isn't, it isn't crazy. And I know I said I would mention this at the end of the episode. The cost of the Cyber Beast, uh, which is, you know, their their beast mode vehicle, it's going to be in the range of $100,000, which is very expensive. Um, and then the all-wheel drive version, it's going to be more in the range of that seventy dollars to $80,000, which, again, I, I'm definitely not going to be buying one anytime soon. I know that's uh, it's very expensive, a lot of money. But when you compare it to a lot of other trucks out there today, it's not crazy. And for what this truck has to offer and how the, the innovation embedded within it, it's not a crazy number. It's actually pretty impressive that they're able to manufacture this for that cost. And then the rear wheel uh, drive version that will be coming out in 2025, uh, that one's looking like, if I remember correctly, it was in the range of fifty, $60,000. So it's not definitely not cheap by any means, but it's also not crazy expensive. It is something that will be affordable by a lot of people. And if you look at the history of Tesla, they often will bring their prices down over time. So there's a good chance that these prices will come down in the coming years. And so that's mostly all that I have for this episode. I want to close it with just this quote uh, from a book called Structures by J.E. Gordon that I just finished reading this weekend. Um, and I think this quote just kind of, in a lot of ways, sums up what Tesla's doing uh, and I think what Elon, what's driving Elon Musk in a lot of ways with his multiple different companies that he has. And so the quote is this, is it not fair to ask the technologist not only to provide artifacts which work, but also to provide beauty, even in the common street, and above all, to provide fun? Otherwise, technology will die of boredom. I think this is something that is, it's perfectly illustrated by the Cybertruck, right? It's, It's beautiful in its own way, and it's, you know, it's going to be driven in the streets. So it's beauty that people will be able to see in the streets. Uh, but above all that, I think it's just fun. It's just, a, it's a really fun idea. It's a really fun concept. It's just, it's a fun design, right? And that's something that, I don't know. I think you can get so caught up in these, hitting these cost targets and manufacturability. And, and you know, maybe we cut out a lot of these extra things that, uh, we, you know, it's just, it's too, it's, it's ornamental. It's something that you don't actually need. It's, it doesn't have the utility, the u- utility that maybe, uh, you think is worth the cost. And so you can end up with a little bit more of kind of these, uh, it's hard to describe without using more of these kind of general terms, but it's almost like lifeless, right? You can have these products that are just lifeless. There's no, uh, 
there's no life to them, right? There's no, there's nothing like more there than just, oh, it, it serves this function. That's great. It doesn't, doesn't catch your eye. It doesn't excite you. It doesn't, doesn't tell you anything about the designer or it doesn't tell you anything about the culture and their values. But then sometimes there's products that do, right? There's these products that just, you look at it and it draws you in, it catches your attention. There's just a lot to it, right? And I think the Cybertruck, it's, it's one of these products. And at the end of the day, I think it's just, it's fun, right? And as designers, as engineers, you don't want, you don't want to be bored. I think that's one of the things that scares a lot of people working in engineering design. There are people who they don't want to be bored and working at a job that you're bored at is probably, it's, it's probably worse than just about anything else that you could have. In my opinion, I really don't want to be bored. I could be, there could be a lot of other negatives to a situation, but if it's exciting, if you're developing technology that is innovative and you're impacting the market, you're impacting the world, you're not bored. That's, that's a lot right there to have in a job. So again, I'm just going to read this quote one more time. Is it not fair to ask the technologists not only to provide artifacts which work, obviously they have to work, right? That's what I've added, but also to provide beauty, even in the common street and above all to provide fun. Otherwise technology will die of boredom. And so I think I'm just gonna leave it there. Um, maybe just this one more thought to end the episode. And that is, Design is a mirror, and it's a mirror that shows both the, who the designer is, uh, it reflects the designer, but it also reflects the values of the culture, the, the values of the culture at that time when the product or when the uh, architecture or the building, whatever was designed, right? So design is a mirror, and it's a mirror that shows both the designer and the values of the culture. So I want you to take that, maybe just think about it a little bit, apply it to the Cybertruck, apply it to other products that you see out there and just think through that a little bit. And that's where I'm gonna leave it for today. So I hope everybody has a great week. I hope that you watch some of the videos I'm gonna link in the show notes, uh, showing some reviews of the Cybertruck, just so you can come up with your own opinion and please share that with me. Reach out. Don't hesitate to reach out on social media or anything like that. Um, with that, have a great week, everybody. And as always, remember, design more, despair less. Thanks for listening.